This is Report Back, the San Francisco chapter of the Democratic Socialists of America podcast. Our chapter is made up of 1,000 members in 16 issue-based and internal-facing committees where the heart of our organizing happens. This is a praxis-centered podcast where we talk about the tactics and strategies of winning socialism with the organizers who plan and implement them. I'm Tyler, member of the DSA San Francisco chapter, and today we're talking with Rachel of IRIS about anti-ice flyering that we're doing around the city. Okay, so we are here with Rachel from IRIS. Um, So first of all, why don't you just introduce yourself and talk about what committees you're involved with other than IRIS? Um, I'm Rachel. I was one of the uh, co-chairs of IRIS when it first became a committee, which was, I believe, last September. And um, I do most of my work with DSA with this committee. I have been involved also a little bit with labor and labor organizing and also with uh, SOCHFAM, too. Awesome. Um, So I didn't realize IRIS was that new. Uh, So maybe uh, to start with, just tell everyone what IRIS, the acronym, actually stands for and then what the IRIS committee is all about. Yeah, IRIS is the Immigrants' Rights and International Solidarity Committee. So we formed, uh, you know, sort of as a after a follow-up to um, the occupation at the ICE Federal Building in San Francisco last year. Uh, Some of us who were involved in that decided, you know, DSA needed a specific committee to be doing this work because a lot of us were doing it individually and we wanted to be a little more um, organized about that. And so we, when we formed, we had a lot of discussion about our name because obviously right now what's going on with immigrants' rights in the United States is terrifying and something everybody really wants to work on. But we also think that international solidarity is a really important piece of socialism. And um, knowing how our influence as the United States around the world uh, is affecting people is really important to our political struggle, too. Yeah, totally. I think I remember it was going to just be called Immigrants' Rights Committee originally. And so it's cool that we kind of expanded it to, to yeah we liked it too that. I mean it does really it's more representative of what, what we do I think honestly yeah um, so first of all in case people aren't familiar what is ice and why is DSA opposed to ice and what they're doing ice the immigration and custom enforcement agency is actually a new uh, sub-department of the Department of Homeland Security. We've only had this agency since the Bush administration. Prior to that, all immigration was done by INS, Immigration and Naturalization Services. And I'm not saying that immigration policy was great then either because it wasn't, but it's really been ramped up since the, uh, the advent of ICE in terms of treating immigrants like they're criminals and uh, rounding them up and arresting them and deporting. And rather than going through processes of visas and things like that, um, having their own agency that's basically like immigration cops is has really made life worse for a lot of immigrants in America. Obviously, it's much worse under the Trump administration, but it wasn't good in the Obama administration either. Uh, you know, abolishing ICE like I've said, you know, we have not had ICE historically that long in this country. So getting rid of it isn't actually that radical of an idea. You know, we could very easily go back to what we did before 9-11 and go back to the way we handled immigration before, which was more of an administrative issue rather than treating it like a criminal issue, which is what ICE does. Um, so you mentioned the occupation at the ICE building. And the thing that we're here to talk about today is another sort of anti-ICE um, action where we were flyering um, different businesses in the mission. Um, 
So can you tell us kind of what was on those flyers and what was this flyering event all about? Um, we had seen a lot of different materials that we really liked in terms of things um, hanging in storefronts and uh, businesses in terms of uh, information on what you should do if you see ICE officers. But we sort of wanted to synthesize them into one document. And so uh, a couple of our, our comrades got together and made our own flyer that's got information essentially like what you should do if you see ICE, you know, who you should call, the numbers for all of the counties of the Bay Area, and the information about, you know, what you should say, what you mostly what you should not say, and, you know, not opening the door, not talking to them, giving them any more information than they ask for, and um, knowing about what the rapid response network is and what they do and uh, is mostly focused on that just to have it posted everywhere. Our goal is just to get it posted everywhere. So, you know, if somebody sees something, they'll just be able to turn around and look and see this flyer and know what they can do immediately. Cool. Yeah. So it's really just having that information out there so easy, so easily accessible that everyone kind of just knows what to do or knows where to look. Right. I mean, I think that there's not we don't have a lot of good tools like in our everyday lives to fight back against this that are effective. But I think that this is one of the things that we can do. And I mean, you know, there's signs that it's working. ICE has said that they're not making the number of arrests that they were hoping to make because people are informed about their rights. And people now know things that they like they show up with warrants that are not properly signed. And people understand that, no, you do not actually have to open the door if an ICE officer comes to your home, not to mention our elected officials who tip off the community as soon as they hear that they're coming. And not just in California, but in other places in the country, too, has made a really big impact. Awesome. Yeah, I'm kind of surprised that they would come out and publicly say, hey, these things that you're doing to oppose us are actually working. Yeah, but yeah. <laughs> no, I, I agree. I, thought, I was hear, really I surprised, but it was it's really fantastic news. I mean, you know, there's a lot of very bad news on the front, but that one is at least encouraging. There is something you can do that actually helps. So what's been your experience of the reactions from businesses? You walk in and kind of just say, hi, we're from DSA. We have these flyers. Would you like to put them up? And what do people usually say to you? It's been 100 percent positive. Uh, basically, it depends on what kind of business you go to and how busy they are. This last uh, round that we went to, we went down um outer mission sort of near uh, Cesar Chavez Street. And, you know, we went into some of the very, like, busy hopping restaurants there. And a lot of the time they'd said the manager out. And when the manager heard what we wanted to do, they were, oh, yeah, of course you can hang up the flyer here. And then the other thing that we were doing along with the flyer is passing out these little red cards that fit in your wallet that have all the information on it of what to do if you encounter an ICE officer. And we would always say, do you want some? And at first they'd say no. We'd say, well, maybe, you know, for your staff or anything like that. And then it was like something would click in their head and they'd say, oh, yeah, give me a stack. So it, it was like getting that information out there was good. Um, some places were just like that. But then we had we had a few places we went that were just delightful where I, I gave they gave answers. Like I said, oh, this flyer says what you should do when you see an ICE officer. And I probably shouldn't even repeat on the podcast what they said, but it was really great. <laughs> <laughs> nice. They were like, oh, give us as many as you can. We, nice. we, we want to spread those around the city. And it was like, great. So people were really, really like happy we were there and really supportive. When you were doing this flyering, uh, were there any specific encounters that really stood out to you? 
Yeah, we went into uh, a laundromat and the guy was closing up. He was sweeping and um, we told him what we were doing there. And first he said, oh, yeah, just go go hang a flyer over there. And uh, then he came over and started talking to us. He himself is an immigrant, but he says he's uh, here legally. But he walks around all day in his laundromat hearing families that are having actual strategy talks about what to do if they if they get separated by ICE, if some, somebody in their family gets taken and, you know, little kids that are sitting there crying in the laundromat because they're afraid they're going to go to school and their families are not going to be there when they get back. Um, and he just was he's just feeling was really feeling upset and hopeless because he just doesn't understand how we got to this place and how we're going to get back out. And of course, you know, we all completely agreed with him, but he he was really happy to have um, all those red cards. I mean, he took an enormous stack because he said he's just going to walk around and just hand them out to everybody every day because um, he says this, and, I, and I've heard this a number of times about other immigration issues too, is that one of the worst things about it, especially when you have an immigrant population that speaks um, a different language than most of the people in their city, uh, they you get a like a swarm of misinformation and it's like a game of telephone and misinformation starts to spread in the community as fact and um that's why things like these red cards and flyering are really important so that people understand like what the actual facts of the situation are they there's absolutely reason to be scared but they also need to know what is a reasonable fear and what is just misinformation um that can happen with a lot of different issues uh, like the public charge is another one too but but yeah that's that was really powerful to talk to that guy and sort of hear on the ground like what somebody who owns a business like that sees day to day is in that neighborhood is really scary and then if he's taking a bunch and giving them out to people then maybe he's having sort of that same encounter with other people yeah. um, that come in or in other businesses nearby right yeah and i mean he himself sounded like he he was pretty well informed and he knew a lot about things but i think the way he described it to me because he's the business owner he's just walking around and hearing these conversations so this is also going to be a way for him to start a conversation with people to you know see where they're at and see what they know and see if they need resources um you know because maybe right now he just felt uncomfortable like interrupting their personal conversations but at least if you can give them a red card you can talk to them about you know what's going on and how you can help yeah absolutely yeah. Mm-hmm. The other thing you can do with the red cards, and correct me if I'm wrong, is if you are encountering an ICE officer and you kind of panic or or freak out a little bit and don't know what to say, you can just give them the card and it says on it something like... Yes. uh, Well, I don't remember what it says. Maybe you should say. It it says on it that um, you are using this card to communicate with the ICE officer that you do not intend to speak with them and that it's your right to remain silent and not to say anything to that might incriminate yourself. It's it's really handy. Like you said, A, if you freeze and you just cannot remember what it is that you should and shouldn't do. And B, also, if you have um, limited English proficiency and the officer you're talking to refuses to speak to you in your language, um, which is a thing, too, then you can just hand this to them and they might still try to talk to you. But at least they have actually been informed that you do not intend to talk to them. Yeah. So they are very, very good for that, too. You mentioned local elected officials sometimes being helpful in tipping off communities so that they can prepare a little bit when it seems like there's a raid that's going to happen. Um, And I know San Francisco is also uh, a sanctuary city. So can you talk about that a little bit, what that means and what effect that has? Um, a sanctuary city means that we consider ourselves a, uh, a place where you can't uh, just go after immigrants just for being immigrants. You, We don't allow people to 
come in and take members of our community away just because they came from another country, no matter what documentation or paperwork they have, that we don't allow uh, law enforcement officials to just harass people for being immigrants or intentionally target them and try to arrest them because they're immigrants. Um, we consider this a place where you are safe if you are an immigrant from um, those kinds of enforcement, ICE enforcement policies that exist a lot of places in the country. So if people want to get more information about what they should do if they see ICE or um, if they want to get some of those red cards to carry around or give out to their friends and family, where can they go to get that information? Uh, sure. The The red cards come from an organization called the Immigration Legal Resource Center, and their website is ILRC.org. If you go there, there is a, a link to that says red cards and know your rights cards, which is the other thing they're known by. You can go there and you can either uh, just print them yourselves. They have all the templates to do it, which I think honestly is the easiest way. Or you can uh, order them. If you're a nonprofit organization, they have a, a program where they are funded to give them to you for free. But if you are not a nonprofit, you do um, pay, a, like, you know, the cost of printing and shipping, but it's not very expensive. But um, as you can imagine, at this point in time, they're really, really backed up on orders because it's there's a real demand for them, especially in Spanish. So I just, if you are do, trying to do something really quick in the next couple of weeks, I would honestly recommend printing them yourselves. It's easier that way. Or we might... Excuse me. We might have a few in the DSA office. I'm not sure. I just ordered another box ah. of them because we didn't. But we unfortunately, we only got them in English. They We did not get them in Spanish yet. Oh, okay. But there's another box coming in Spanish, too. But Great. So we do, there are some. But yeah, if you want to go grab some, I think that I ordered a thousand for DSA. So there are some sitting around in the office, too. Awesome. Um, I guess the other thing I just wanted to add about the sanctuary city, too, is, you know, I, I think some people noticed this and were aware of it. It wasn't necessarily the kind of big news that I thought it should have been. But the, um, they had a big arrest last week in the Tenderloin where uh, it was done between federal agencies and San Francisco police, where they were rounding up, quote unquote, drug dealers and trying to go after the people who are getting drugs into the Tenderloin. And, you know, initially, you know, you might initially think that that's okay. I mean, most DSA members wouldn't think that, but a lot of people would think that that's a, a way of improving life in the Tenderloin. But it turns out, you know, they arrested 35 people and 30 of them were Honduran nationals. And so uh, the way that we feel about it in Iris, and I think a lot of other people do too, is that they just did this as a way of getting around the sanctuary city laws. They wanted to come round up a bunch of immigrants and the, the people in San Francisco said no way. So they found another way, another backdoor way to get in. Um, and I just, I mentioned it mostly because I think that's the kind of thing we really need to watch for when we're dealing with um, ICE under the Trump administration because they're just so unfettered and they are going to do anything they can to to break every rule if it's, if it's possible. Yeah. Their usual way of operating is, oh, we're targeting immigrants. They use immigrants as the scapegoat. And then when they realize that doesn't work, right. they figure out some other scapegoat, in this case, drug dealers, right. or it might be something else. Right. They're always going to find something. And I, I just think we have to really push back as hard as we can against them being here because we are a sanctuary city and just because it's morally wrong to be having yeah. for them to be doing this. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, we're a sanctuary city on paper, but we got to hold the police and everyone in the city accountable yes. for carrying that out in practice. Yes. I think. Yeah. And, you know, there was a lot of talk when um, when people got arrested after the ICE occupation last year, especially where the police 
rounded up the protesters and a lot of them brutally beat them up, dragged them by their face on the street. They dislocated somebody's shoulder. And everybody said, well, you know, if this is a sanctuary city, a London breed, how come you're letting your police force, you know, do this to people who are who are trying to protect the idea of sanctuary city? And I mean, they arrested them again this year, too. They, I guess they were not quite as brutal about it this year because they got too much flack last year. But um, it's still the same thing. It's like, we're trying to keep the sanctuary city that you say you want. Don't send your cops after us to arrest us, you know? Yeah, yeah we are, in theory, all on the same side here. Absolutely, right. Um, so if there is another uh, day where we're going to be flyering maybe in a different neighborhood or if there's other actions happening through IRIS that people want to get involved with, um, where should they go to find out about these things? Um, IRIS's email is immigration at dsasf.org. We do have another flyering planned for September 6th. We don't have all of the details set yet in terms of the time and the location. I think the thought was maybe we were going to go more to um, Excelsior or Visitacion somewhere out that way, um, but we haven't firmed it up. But it'll be in the evening on September 6th for sure. And um, yeah, and also, you know, just to be, I don't want to sound desperate, but we, if you, Iris really needs more people to be involved. So, you know, if you've thought to yourself, oh, I wish I could do Iris, but I don't really have that much time. We would love it if you could at least, you know, come to a meeting and talk to us about the stuff we have going on. Um, we meet every other Thursday uh, at the office, at the DSI office. We are meeting this upcoming Thursday, which is... Are, is August 22nd. So um, if you were interested, we meet at 6.30. But uh, yeah, you can email us at uh, immigration at dsasf.org because we've got, you know, all kinds of other things on the back burner in addition to our flyering right now too. I would just add that um, I did the flyering last time. And if you've done canvassing for electoral issues, sometimes it feels a lot harder because you feel like you have to convince someone to vote mm -hmm. a certain way. Mm -hmm. And as you said, people are much more supportive of this um, so it's a very kind of easy, fun thing to do if you're looking for, maybe if you haven't been that involved and you're looking for a way to get more involved with DSA. Definitely. I mean, we have a couple of people who've not even done political canvassing or anything like that. And they were really nervous about just blindly walking into businesses with these flyers. But I mean, everybody has a positive response because everybody understands how serious this is. You know, even if they said, oh, I can't hang this right now. I got to give it to the manager or whatever. There was not a single person who was like not happy to have us at their doorstep doing this. Everybody was fine with it. Um, it's really important work. And it's like you said, it's easy. It's easier than knocking on somebody's door and talking to them about uh, political candidates or issues like that. Great. Um, anything else you want to add that we forgot to mention earlier? I would sort of give a little bit of a plug to some of the other stuff that Iris is working on right now. We we like to focus a lot on um, education and other issues that are going on um, around the world rather than just this uh, things that are happening right now in the United States. We are working with um, the with the Palestinian Action Network to do an educational series about Palestine specifically and um, the history of, of the country going back several hundred years to the present day. We also work a lot with the Committee for Human Rights in the Philippines um, that are, have uh, connections with people on the ground in the Philippines that are trying to resist Duterte and um, his death squads that are rounding people up and killing them. And we are always trying to br uh, branch out more to 
with other community organizations to just see what we can do to show solidarity for their work too. So, you know, we we are always working on a bunch of different things, even though there's only a few of us. So, as you know, we would like to see if we can how much more we can expand our focus too. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you. The Democratic Socialists of America is the largest socialist organization in the United States. We have over 120 chapters in 49 states. We're an activist organization, not a political party. To become a member, go to dsausa.org. To find out what our local chapter is up to, visit dsasf.org. Our intro music is by Young Chomsky. Chomsky.